0: Enjoy the message. All right, well, if you have your bulletin, would you open it with me? Inside, there's, a, there's an outline that you can use to follow along. We are in a series called Keeping the Faith. And uh, the reason we're doing this series is because we want to talk about the importance of not walking away or drifting from our faith. In, in Matthew chapter 24 Jesus is talking about the end of days they, they he he they his disciples asked him what it would be like and what kind of things would happen and as Jesus begins to describe what the end of days are gonna be like he says that there's gonna be wars that there's gonna be rumors of wars that there's gonna be famine that there's gonna be pestilence that there's gonna be all kinds of things horrible things going on and amongst all the things that he says that are gonna be happening Happening at the end of times look at what verse 9 through 13 says this is Jesus as he's speaking about the end of times look at what he says he says "Then you will be arrested persecuted and killed you will be hated all over the world because you are my followers and look at verse 10 and many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other does it sound familiar does it look familiar Verse 11 says, and many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will what? Grow cold. But look at verse 13. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Listen, the reason we're doing this series about keeping the faith, because it's much more than blessings. It's much more than your church attendance. It's much more than you serving. It's much more than a religious practice. It's eternal salvation. When we walk away from our faith, we are walking away from the Lord, not just on this earth, but in eternity. And Jesus said that those who keep the faith will be saved. Amen. So we're talking about four scenarios, four reasons why people tend to walk away from the Lord. We said the first week, we said that when our faith and our, and, and our culture collide, a lot of people don't know how to work those two, and they walk away from the Lord. They are, they, are, they are defeated by culture. They succumb to culture, and they walk away from their faith. Last week, we said that a lot of times we come to the Lord when things aren't going well. And one of the amazing things that God does is that he blesses us. He changes our life for good. And when life becomes good, we forget about the Lord. And a lot of people walk away from the Lord because life is good and they're too busy. And, and, and they forgot that, that, that it was God who turned their life around. Well, today, I want to talk about the third reason. The third scenario, why many people walk away from the Lord. Are you ready for this? The third reason is because they see or experience hypocrisy. Because people see or experience hypocrisy. How many of you guys know a hypocrite? How many of you guys are sitting next to one? No, don't 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 raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. hand. All right. The third reason people walk away from the Lord. Is because of hypocrisy. Let's pray and we'll jump into God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being in this place. Lord, this series, in this series, we're looking at some very real difficult topics. But Lord, we're doing it understanding that there is grace and hope from you for us. So Lord, I pray that today there would be conviction, but that there would also be your arms. Welcome, welcoming us bringing us in Lord. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. You know the number one complaint of non-Christians about Christians is what they are hypocrites. I don't want to go to church because they're full of hypocrites and hypocrisy is not just the number one complaint of non-Christians about Christians. Hypocrisy is also at the top of the list of the complaints of Christians about Christians. Oh, oh, so you go to church, but then come home and act that way. Right? See, hypocrisy is such a huge deal that it not only prevents some people from coming to the Lord, but hypocrisy is such a huge deal that it is the reason some walk away from the Lord. Hypocrisy only prevents some people from believing in God, but it it is the reason why others walk away from the Lord. It is the number one reason why kids who grow up in a godly home or in a Christian home, better said, when they become of age, they don't want nothing to do with the Lord. Because many of them say, well, the stuff that it was taught at church, the stuff that it was preached at church, that's not what was at home. The way my parents were at church was not the way they were at work. The things that that we sang about at church were not the things that we lived at home. There's there's many family members who won't come to the Lord because they have seen hypocrisy in those who called themselves believers. The theologian Brandon Mannings put put it the following way, and I love how he put it. He said, the single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, then walk out the door and deny him with their lifestyles. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. That's good, isn't it? It kind of hurts. It stings a little. Right? Let, Let me read it once again. The single greatest cause of atheism in the world atheism is not wanting to believe in God not wanting to do anything with God today it's Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips then walk out the door and deny him with their lifestyles that is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable I believe that Brandon Brandon Manning was quoting Paul because look at what Paul said in Titus 1.16 He says, they claim to know God, but by their actions, they what? They deny him. Talking about hypocrisy is not easy. It is not easy, but it is necessary. Because if it's going to prevent loved ones from coming to the Lord, and if it's going to cause others to walk away, wouldn't we want to address it? If, if, if hypocrisy is what is going to keep your children from walking with God, wouldn't you want to do something about it? Yeah. If hypocrisy was the thing that was keeping your spouse or your parents or your sibling or your friends from coming to the Lord, wouldn't you want to do something about it? Yeah. Something about it. So here's what I want us to do. I know it's a tough topic, but here's what I want us to do. I want to do two things. I want us to understand what hypocrisy is because I think there's a lot of misconceptions about hypocrisy. I want to tell you what hypocrisy isn't, what hypocrisy is. But most importantly, we want to talk about how if we have hypocrisy in our lives, how do we deal with it? In practical ways, how do we do something about it? Are you ready? Are you ready? Would you elbow the person next to you and tell them? Are you ready? Let's look at what hypocrisy isn't. You ready? This is important. Hypocrisy is not, and you can fill this out in your outline, hypocrisy is not the gap between what we do and what we wish we did. Hypocrisy is not the gap between what I do and what I wish I didn't do. I wish I didn't have dirty thoughts, but I do. I wish I didn't lie, but I do. I wish I wasn't stingy, but I am. To be a hypocrite doesn't mean you don't make mistakes. To be, to not be a hypocrite doesn't mean that you always live up to every single one of your beliefs. That is not hypocrisy. That is humanity. Come on. To to wish something but maybe do the opposite is not hypocrisy. It's called sin. It's called being a human. We all fall short, including me. Right? We say things we don't want to say. We think things we shouldn't think. We act ways that we didn't want to act hypocrisy is not the gap between the things you wish you did and didn't do and those that you actually do or don't do so if that's not hypocrisy then what is hypocrisy pastor Nestor well I'm glad you asked hypocrisy fill this out is the gap between what we show and who we are hypocrisy it's that Disparity is that gap between what we show we are and who we actually are. Hypocrisy is not the gap between what we wish we were and actually do. No, no. Hypocrisy is the gap between what we say or what we pretend or what we show we are and what we actually are. Hypocrisy is the difference between your public image and your private character. Hypocrisy is when you say, "Wait, when you pretend to be something, but in reality, you're something else. Hypocrisy comes from the Greek word, hypocrites, which literally means an actor, or somebody who puts on a mask. In the days of Jesus, the word hypocrite did not have a negative meaning. All in man, was an actor. Somebody who put on a mask because they didn't have the makeup and all the the technology that we have now to transform people. They would simply put on a mask and play a role. To be a hypocrite is to put on something that you're not. I remember on one occasion we were watching a romantic movie and those, uh, well, you don't have to know me. I'll just confess it. I'm not the most affectionate person in the world. I am not. You know, my brother that was just up here, the guy's always hugging and kissing his wife and my mom, and he's just very affectionate. I am not. I'm more reserved. I'm more, you know, Lorena's number one complaint about me after my mess is that I am not as affectionate as I should be. And we were watching a romantic movie, and she she said, man, I wish you were as romantic as that guy is. And, and, and I said to her, I said to her, you know, if I was getting paid the millions of dollars that he is, I probably would. Because that guy that was being romantic is a hypocrite. He's playing a role. Right? And that's what hypocrisy is. Hypocrisy is to put on a mask and to say and act like something that you are not. Have you, have you ever seen a happy hypocrite? God is good, my brother. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah to his name. God is good all the time. Right? But but when they go home, they're depressed and bitter and angry. That's a hypocrite. A hypocrite is to pretend to be something that you are not. What about the righteous hypocrite? Don't smoke, don't drink, don't dance. Don't go here. Don't do that. Don't hang out with those kind of people. But in their private life, they are addicted to certain sins. They have certain vices. That is a hypocrite. A hypocrite is to pretend to show to be something that you are actually not. Hypocrisy is not to say, man, I wish I was more romantic, but I'm not. That's not hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is to want to pretend. Which, by the way, I believe that social media is the perfect platform to be a hypocrite. It's so easy to use social media as, 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 as the way to present to others who we want them to be. Right? Here's a post about my perfect family. We're so perfect and good looking. We don't talk to each other. We don't like each other. But, but, but we're perfect, right? Here, here's a post about how happy I am. Look how much fun I'm having. But the reality is that you're hopeless and sad and have a hard time waking up. It's easy to post and say, look at all the stuff I have. Look at what I can buy. But the reality is that you're in debt and that you owe so much money that you don't know what to do. It's easy to post and say, look, I'm doing my devotional. But, but the reality is that you spent more time trying to get the right picture than you did studying the word of God. That's hypocrisy. That is hypocrisy. And, and, and here's, here's, the, here's the important thing. The harshest words that Jesus ever said, he set them to hypocrites. Think about that. The harshest words that Jesus ever uttered we're not to sinners. We're not to people that were doing wrong. It was to religious leaders who were hypocrites. Are you familiar with the seven woes of Matthew 23? If you're not, you got to go home and read Matthew 23. And in that passage, Jesus attacks the hypocrisy of the re- religious leaders. In fact, I want us to read some of the verses. Look at what verse 27, 28 and 33 said. Now, this is Jesus speaking, okay? So, so so have that in mind. Look at what he says. He says, "Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees. You what? Hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and are and everything unclean." In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous. But on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. And look at what he says. Look at verse 33. He says, you snakes, you brought of vipers. Do you ever picture Jesus saying that to somebody? That's strong. That's harsh. But it's true. And look at what he says. This is so important. He says, how will you escape being condemned to hell? He says, how are you going to escape the condemnation of hell? And that's the danger of hypocrisy. Now, now, here's what you got to notice. Jesus doesn't say, woe you who lie. Woe you who are unfaithful. Woe you who steal. Jesus did not say that. Jesus said, woe to you who lie and pretend like you don't. Woe to you who are unfaithful and act like if you are not. Woe to you who steal and deny that you do. It's not woe to you who do it, but woe to you who do it and act like if you don't. Jesus was not condemning them for being imperfect. Jesus was condemning them for being imperfect and pretending that they were not for putting out a show. Jesus, in this passage, when it comes to religious leaders, was not calling out the sin. He was calling out the show. He was calling out the hypocrisy. He was saying, hey, hey. The problem with you is not that you don't do what's right. The problem with you is that you pretend that you don't. And he says, you snakes, how are you going to escape hell if you don't change? Because hypocrisy is the gap between what we show we are and who we actually are. Now, is there hope for hypocrites? Absolutely. And that is the great news. The great news is that that gap between what we show and who we are can be closed. We can close that gap so that we can actually show who we are and be who we want to show. How do we do that? How do we close the gap of hypocrisy? Well, I want to give you three things that you can do that are very practical to help you close the gap. Which, by the way, can we just be honest? We all have some hypocrisy in us. Amen? You may be here smiling. You may be here, you know, looking cute and pretty. But, but, but you argue all your way to church this morning. Right? Right? You may be here, hallelujah, God is so good, praying for other people, and you can't stand the people you live with. Right? So, so let's just get on the same level and say, we are all not just capable of hypocrisy. We are all very likely at one point or in one area of another, hypocrites. So how do we close that gap? How do we close the gap, not just the gap between what we wish we did and what we actually do, but how do we close the gap between what we show and who we actually are? You ready? Number one, let's read Matthew 23, 25, and 26. Look at what Jesus says to these hypocrites. He gives them the answer. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside, the, the outside also will be clean. Number one, to close the gap of hypocrisy, the first thing we do, we gotta do, is we gotta be honest about the hypocrisy in us. We gotta be honest. About the hypocrisy in us. He says in verse 25. You clean the outside of the cup and dish. But inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You can only overcome hypocrisy as you are honest. If you're not honest, you can't close that gap. You got to be honest about your hypocrisy. Yeah, maybe you read the Bible on your phone. But you also watch porn on it yeah maybe you tell your spouse that you love them but you're also flirting with other people at work yeah maybe you go to church Maybe you go to church faithfully, but at work you cuss and you misbehave. Yeah, maybe you act as if everything is perfect, but the reality is that you are drowning and you need help. Yeah, maybe you say you love God, but the reality is that you have a hard time loving those around you. Yeah, maybe you raise your hands during worship, but the night before your hands were raising beer and other things that you shouldn't have. We cannot close the gap of hypocrisy until we are honest about our hypocrisy. And, 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 and here's why. It is better to be an honest sinner than a lying hypocrite. Did you know that? It is better to be an honest sinner than a lying hypocrite. And you may have, you may have a problem with that statement, but, but I'll prove to you that it's true. Jesus had little to zero tolerance for hypocrites. But he has unlimited grace for sinners in need of help. Jesus could not stand hypocrites. Jesus did not want to deal with hypocrites. But he left heaven and he came and he took the humble shape of a servant to help sinners in need of help. You want to close that gap of hypocrisy so that your kids don't run away from the Lord, so that your loved ones can come to the Lord? The first thing we got to do is be honest about the hypocrisy in our lives. Look at what Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen says. Whoever conceals their sin, their sins, does not prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds what? Finds mercy. See, many of us, we're afraid that that if we're honest about our sin, that something bad is going to happen. Let me tell you that more harm happens when we practice sin and act like if we don't. But if we are just honest and say, "I I I got a problem with my attitude. I got a problem with drinking. I got a problem with porn. I got a problem with my spending. I got a problem with my mouth. The Bible says that we will find what? Mercy. Because Jesus has zero tolerance for hypocrisy, but he has unending grace for a sinner in need of help. Amen. Come on, I know I'm preaching better than you're clapping. Number two, number two, to close the gap of hypocrisy, you got to seek the internal work of the Holy Spirit. To close the gap of hypocrisy, you got to seek the internal work of the holy spirit look at what verse 26 says it says first clean the inside of the cup and dish and then the outside also will be cleaned now now you you, you got to follow with me okay because if you're an, if you're honest about your sin but you don't do the second part you're still in trouble okay we start with admitting but a lot of people got stuck at admitting, well, this is just what I, I just cause. I'm just I'm just an angry person. I break things, you know. OK, be honest. But then you got to seek the Holy Spirit to change you. Being a Christian is about having a relationship with God and that relationship ought to change you. If you say you're married, but you still act like if you're single, you're going to be single eventually. So coming to the Lord means that we recognize our sin. But there is also a commitment to say, I need to change. And the way we change is not by addressing our behaviors, but by seeking the internal work of the Holy Spirit in us. Listen, you can't change yourself. You've tried, right? That's why you still do what you don't want to do and say those things you don't want to say because you can't change yourself. And we can only change ourselves for so long. If you want lasting and permanent change, only the Holy Spirit can do that. The Holy Spirit is the one that changes us. And you know how he does it? Not by putting a password on your computer so you don't watch porn. No, he does it by addressing your heart of all lust and evil desires so that you don't crave to go do those things. You know how those Holy Spirit, if you got a problem with the substance, you know how he does, how he changes it? By addressing. What is that gap that you're trying to fill? What you're trying to hide that leads you to drinking, that leads you to smoking so that you don't go do it. We are changed by the inner work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And see, some people don't change because they have no relationship in time with the Holy Spirit. If all you do is come to church and that is what your relationship with God depends on, you're not going to change. Because the Holy Spirit, yes, He moves in this place. Yes, He touches us. He speaks to us in this place. But His most special work happens when you take time to open your Bible and be with God. When you, when you make time to just be with Him and you allow Him to work in you. Look at what the Bible says in Ephesians 3. Um, what is it, 12 or 16? I, I have a typo here. It says, I pray that out of His glorious riches... He may strengthen you with power. Listen to this. Through his spirit in your inner being. Listen, as you spend time with the Holy Spirit, as you spend time, he's going to begin to address your heart. He's going to begin to address your mind. And he's going to begin to do a work in you that out of that overflow is going to affect the way you behave. Suddenly you're not going to have to Be strong and say no to beer. No, because God is going to take that desire away from you. Suddenly you're not going to have to bite your tongue and not talk back to them. Because the Holy Spirit is going to give you peace in your heart. But he does that. Listen, he does that. Not by listening to a podcast when you're drowning. He does that by constantly spending time with him, by developing a relationship with him day by day, week by week. It is a work that he does naturally. Most of us, we we go to God when we're drowning and God, help me, change me. Sometimes all God can do is give you some life and say, now you got to spend some time with me so that I can bring lasting change. How do we close the gap of hypocrisy? We're honest about the sin in our life. But second, we seek the internal work of the Holy Spirit. And third, to close the gap of hypocrisy, you got to step into community with other believers. You got to step into community with other believers. Listen to me. Sin grows in the darkness. Did you know that? Sin prevails in the darkness. Sin is more rampant when we do life alone. You know why some of you you can't change? Cuz you're all alone. You got nobody to encourage you. You got nobody to hold you accountable. You got nobody to walk with you. And when we're alone, it's easy to be sinful and not change. But when we got other people around us, then we got motivation. We got we got somebody to tell us, hey, that that, the the way you spoke to your wife, that 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 wasn't right. Hey, the way the way you neglected your kids, that 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 that's not the man you want to be. We need other people around us we are honest to God about our sin we come to the Holy Spirit to change us but then we walk with others so that that change can be lived out look at what the Bible says in Proverbs twenty-seven, seventeen. he says as iron sharpens iron so one person sharpens another God uses the Holy Spirit to change us but he also uses people to change us Ladies, some of you, 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 want, you want your husband to be better. But yesterday that we had a men's barbecue, maybe you didn't make it easy for him to go. Uh, you, you, that, that, that can't work. That, that's not the way things work. You want a better man? You got to push him to be a, with other godly men. You know what I shared with the man yesterday? And this is true of you. This is true of all of us who are walking with the Lord. If you want to thrive as a Christian, if you want to thrive as a Christian, okay? If you want to grow, if you want to change, if you want to become the best follower of Christ you can, you need three essential relationships in your life. Every single one of us needs three relationships. And I'm going to say it to you like I told the man yesterday. You need an older man in your life, to guide you and give you direction in life. Somebody who's gone ahead of you. Who's been married longer than you. Who's been there with his kids. Where you may be going next. You need an older man in your life. But you also need other men your age in your life. Somebody that is going through what you're going. Somebody that understands what, what, what you're dealing with. But you need a younger man in your life. The way I said it is that every man needs a fatherly figure, needs brothers, and needs sons. We need somebody that we receive from, somebody that we do life with, and somebody that we give life to. When you have to disciple other people, you change. You change. But you, listen, it's so easy. It's so easy for you to just come to church And then go back home, get wrapped up in your work, get wrapped up in your kids and not have any connections with the body of Christ. And let me say this to you. If that is the way you're doing Christianity, it doesn't mean you're saved. But it means that you're not living out the relationship that God meant for you as he wanted you. Look at what Jesus said. Look at what Ecclesiastes, I'm sorry, 4, 9 and 10 says. Look at what it says. 2 are better than one because they have a good return for their toil for if they fall one will lift his fellow but look, look at this last part okay it may sound familiar to the words of Jesus to the Pharisees but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not and has not another to lift him up when you get in trouble, does anybody know you're in trouble? Oh, it's because they don't care about me, Pastor. It's because it's nobody loves me. Well, have you taken the time to love somebody and get to know somebody so that they have your number to call you? Or are you just being childish and, and selfish and saying, nobody, nobody cares about me just like I didn't care about anybody. Do you call anybody? Do you know what's going on with somebody in church? You know, I've seen couples who struggle, who really struggle. And I've seen those that are connected to other people. They don't give up easily. They last longer together. But those couples that get in trouble in their marriage and they're not connected to other people, it's easy for them to walk away. Because there's no encouragement. There's nobody speaking to their wife. There's nobody speaking to their husband. So listen, the best place to experience change is in community. And there's a lot of ways that you could do that. We have life groups. We have an awesome man of God called Steve Burns, who is available every Sunday at 8 a.m., Sundays at 3 p.m. If you don't have an older, an older figure in your life to pour wisdom, to pour godliness into you, he's here every Sunday at 8 a.m. I, I can't make it to live groups, pastor. I, I work late. Well, get up on Sunday mornings. It's a sacrifice, but it's worth the sacrifice. If you want to close the gap, you got to get around other godly people. Because some of you, you're around community, but you're around the wrong community. And that, that, that is not closing the gap. That is stretching the gap because they're leading you in the wrong direction. So we close the gap when we're honest to ourselves and to God about our sin. We close the gap when we come to the Holy Spirit and ask him, hey, more than my behavior, begin with my inner self. And we close the gap when we do life with other people. And we let them in, we let them help us, we help them, and we do life in community. My greatest desire is not to have a full church. My greatest desire is not to become a well-known pastor. My greatest desire is not even material possessions. My greatest desire is to raise my kids in such a way that they walk with the Lord. And a big part of that is the way I live. I cannot expect my kids to read the Bible if I don't read it. I can't expect my kids not to cuss if I cuss at my wife. I can't expect my kids not to have addictions if I have an addiction. I can't expect my kids to have a, a heart of worship if I'm not a worshiper. In fact, if I am not those things, it will be those things that push my kids away from the Lord, because they're going to say, they're going to say, you know, it's just not true. It's not true. He says one thing with his mouth, but it's not true. I'll end with this: When I was a teenager, I, I, I. I grew up in the church. Um, as I shared last week, my parents came to the Lord when I was like two or three years old. Um, and I grew up in the church. And when I became a teenager, I, I, I started getting curious with sin. Real Right? Started getting curious with sin. I wanted a drink. I wanted a party. I didn't want to be at church three, four nights a week. Right? I, I wanted to do those things that seemed cool. And I really couldn't call out anything in my parents. I really couldn't say to my parents, well, I don't want to go to church because you're a liar. I don't want to go to church because you're this. But you know what my excuse was? To point to other people in the church. And I used to tell my dad this, literally. Okay? I used to tell my dad this. I used to tell him, because he would ask me, why don't you want to go to church? And I would tell him, dad, there's a bunch of people at church that are going to go to hell. And they're going to go to hell miserable. If I'm going to go to hell, I want to go to hell having fun. (laughs) i'm just being real you can ask him i i would tell him that i would tell him that i would say you know i know a bunch of people that at church they're raising their hands but you know they had an affair not so long ago there's people at church who preach but they don't even they're not even loving and kind and generous with other people i got to the point where i understood this and this is part of our maturity. I understood that I am not saved because of what other people do, that I am saved because of what He did. Amen. Amen. Amen? And that listen, that my relationship with God does not depend on how you behave. Lorena told me something. she goes. She goes, "Man, are you ready? Half of the church is going to stay home because look at the weather." And I told her this, I'm honest with you. I said, that's between them and God. I'm responsible for my relationship with God. They're responsible for theirs. Right? And I've understood that my relationship with God depends on me and Him. But I've also understood that the way I behave can discourage or encourage others, people's relationship with Him. Amen? So let's close that gap. Let's get real about our sin. Let's seek the inner work of the Holy Spirit and let's get around community. Would you close your eyes and bow your head with me? We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father,